0: I want to do something a little different today, and I kind of just want to teach a little bit from Scripture, um, from, from a passage of Scripture in Nehemiah. And God brought Nehemiah to my heart because of what we're doing here. For those who are here for the first time or do not know that we are in the process of relaunching our church. And what that means is we are having a baby. What that means is we are... Um, We are transitioning and bringing new life and a new uh, vision to who we are as a church. Our church has been here uh, for over 35 years, and we are just making a new stride. We're not forgetting the past or erasing the past at all, but we are going forward and making this about what God wants it to be about, which it started with, and that is to reach this community for God. That's exactly what this church was here for. And over time, as churches get older and as people get older and things happen, as you get more stuff, you tend to become a little more self-focused and kind of looking at what you're doing. And uh, we have noticed that it we have not been following uh, completely what God would have us to do. And so we're going to be relaunching, and I'm excited about it. Put September 22nd in your calendar. September 22nd will be our relaunch date. And so this month, I just want to focus, along with Elder Simeon, focus a little bit on this topic of being an overcomer, being an overcomer. Um, It's important to know that as believers that we are overcomers, that we have the power to overcome the world, and the world can mean a lot for us, but the world can just simply mean what you're living in, the situation that you're living in, that you don't have control over. And if you're like me or everybody who's breathing has some adversity against you, has something against you, something that you are fighting against, and the temptation is to quit. The temptation is just to follow along, float down the river, just let the status quo go, and hopefully, just maybe hopefully, things will change. But I hope that this becomes, as my pastor at Richland shared this morning, contagious, that, that you would know that you are an overcomer, and you're overcoming for a reason. That it's just not about you. It's just not about you and your household. But that there is power in your overcoming. That there are people who are depending on your story. Matter of fact, there are people who are depending on you to overcome. They're tired of living in the shadow of your addiction. They're tired of living in the shadow of your dysfunction. They're tired of living in the mess that you cause. And what they're wanting is I'm in the shadow and I want to see some light. And the only way you can see some light is is if you get out of the way and let Jesus shine for you. And so overcoming is something that people are depending uh, on. The Bible says, as it describes the people who make it to heaven, the people who make it through, it describes them as people who have power. And you know where they have power in? Their testimony. You know what a testimony is? A testimony is a story about, a true story about how you made it through. Nobody gives a testimony on how they failed. That's not encouraging. Nobody would would, uh, buy a house from someone that says, hey, I've been a realtor for 20 years, but I've never sold a house. (laughs) I've been a mechanic for 30 years, but I've never really fixed a car. I've been a doctor, went to medical school, but I've never had a job. But I got a degree. Nobody would do that. Right? So the people that God is calling are calling people who have made it through. That's a testimony. I've been through it. And sometimes it's just the power of hearing how you went through it that gives them the power to get through it. So this this is really a focus. And I want to kind of just take a different mode for the rest of the month as we are kind of preparing. And in August, we're going to actually spend some time focusing on prayer. I'll just give you that a heads up right now. Focusing on prayer. We're actually going to do uh, 21 days of prayer beginning on April, uh, August 5th through, through the 25th and we're going to spend some time in prayer focus on that and talk about what prayer can do but to kind of give you a summary of this month we're going to be talking about faith and the faith to overcome and I want to kind of teach this I want to kind of teach it in a different way so what you're going to need is you're going to need something to read from a bible uh, I've got a lot of scriptures that I'm just going to read today they will be on the screen but if you have a Bible app, I recommend that you download one uh, for a lot of reasons. But a Bible app is really easy because it can help you find those scriptures. In fact, our software here at the church, uh, our Proclaim software, we can teach you how to get set up. Will actually, if you have the, the right app, we'll actually open those scriptures up for you when the sermon starts. It just boom, pops right up on your phone. So if you don't know about that, we can get you set up. So we're going to look at the book of Nehemiah, chapter one. I want to teach some things today from this particular um passage of scripture what I want to teach about is how to overcome when things look bad when it looks bad anybody ever seen something that looked bad and you thought man this looks bad it's not not look good that's what we're going to talk about today focus on Nehemiah chapter one and I want to read so I'll give you what we're going to be looking at Nehemiah chapter one chapter two and then we're going to look at Colossians chapter one which is a New Testament book. Nehemiah is in the Old Testament. And it's kind of hard to find if you have a, a, a an analog version like me. It's right before Psalms. But let's look at Nehemiah chapter 1. And just to give you a quick context of what Nehemiah is, uh, this story comes in um, comes at a time in the Bible where God's people uh, had really been exiled. They had been uh, sent away from their homeland for almost 70 years. Uh, It was something that God told them was going to happen. It was something God explained uh, because of their disobedience. And they were in Babylon for 70 years. And as God promised, after that 70 years, he was bringing them back to their own land. But the land was in shambles. It was in ruins because the kingdom that had overtaken them had completely destroyed it. And they had gone back to really a broken city, broken nation. They had nothing but God had brought them back. So Nehemiah was one of those exiles. He was a part of the Jewish nation and he was actually working in the kingdom that had sent them back. So this kingdom was friendly towards these these, uh, immigrants, is what they were, and friendly towards them. And so he worked for that administration. And so here's where we pick it up. Verse one. Uh, These are the memoirs of Nehemiah, son of Hachleah. In the early autumn, so that would be our autumn, right, October, November, in the month of Kelzev, in the 12th year of King Artaxerxes reign. I was in the fortress of Susa. He was in the the capital city. He was in Washington, D.C. Hananiah, one of my brothers, came to me, came to visit me with some other men who had just arrived from Judah. Judah was where we were talking about, back home, the home country. I asked them about the Jews Who had returned there from captivity. And about how things were going in Jerusalem. Then they said to me. Things are not going well. For those who returned. To the province of Judah. They are in great trouble. And disgrace. Y'all see that there. Great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem has been torn down. And the gates have been destroyed. With fire. Look what he says in verse 4. When I heard this. I sat down and wept. In fact, I mourned. Sorry, in in fact, for days I mourned, fasted, and prayed to the God of heaven. He says, tell me the news, guys. What's going on? They're like, hey, man, it's not looking good. They're in serious trouble. Things are messed up. They're messed up, man. We, we actually got a huge problem. And the Bible says when he heard this, what did he do? What did the Bible say he did in verse 3? You can talk back to me. It's okay. He what? What what He did weep. But what was the first thing that he did? He sat down. It's interesting because I almost jumped over this. I almost skipped past this. And, and it's really in this today where I found the meat of our message today. It's really in this right here is where I found the power and the strength and the message uh, for today. Let me ask you something. Here's a question I wrote down. When something happens, what happens to you when you hear about something that looks bad? What is your response? What do you do? When you see that your life or someone's life or your home or your finances, your account is in trouble, it's in shambles, your relationship is in shambles, everything that you want to be right is in shambles, what's your first response? What do you do? Here's what he did. He sat down. Now, here's what I want to here's what. Here's why this is so meaty to me. Because many of us have a bad habit of never sitting down. You know what we do? We keep going. I'm going to teach on this. When you hear or you see something's wrong, most of us keep going. We don't sit down. We try to forget about it. We try to ignore it. Try to make excuses for it. Try to pretend like it's not happening. And what we do is we never sit down. And I'm going to tell you what sit down means in just a second. But we never sit down. Our response is, forget about it. Our response is, oh, that's going to suck. Our response is, oh, I better not think about it. Let me go have a good time. Let me go have a drink. Let me go kick it. Let me watch this. Let me pour myself out on this. Let me pour myself into my work. Let me just do something else hopefully that'll go away and I'll never have to deal with again. I I love this. And God really spoke to me about this, me personally, because sometimes when things happen to me, I don't always sit down. Let me talk about what sitting down means. And you're going to have to take notes if you want this. I decided not to put this on the screen. I decided not to make this as easy as it usually is. Now, I'm not saying that it's, you need to have it easy for some. It's just a barrier. You're new to church and you want to follow along. But I think there's something to taking it for yourself. So if you're a note taker, this is the time when you want to have your notes out. Let me tell you what sitting down means. What it looks like. It starts with, I, I wrote five things on this. It starts with acknowledging what looks bad. Can we just talk about that for a second? So I've been in a bad relationship when I saw something that was bad and it was a red flag. And I tried to pretend like it wasn't. Right? All oh, that they just having a bad day. Or I'll see something and I'm like, uh, I'll make an excuse for it, but I won't actually acknowledge the fact that it's bad. You ever catch yourself, your attitude, right? The way you are, something you're doing. Maybe you're spending habits and you buy something. You're like, shoot, I shouldn't have bought that. But it's okay, right? I I had a bad day. I deserve this. I need this. We had those conversations with ourselves. Sitting down, see what he did was he sat down and he had to acknowledge the news that he just heard. He had to say, man, this is bad. This isn't good. Here's another thing. What it means to sit down. Taking the time to sit down. Acknowledge what looks bad. Here's the second one, find out what happened. Simple step, but sometimes when we are when we keep going, we don't even realize what happened. You get in an argument with someone you love and you don't even know what happened. All you know is that they made you mad. All you know is that what you saw you didn't like or you, it looks bad and you never actually go back. This is another thing, it's personal. It's a personal thing because sometimes in a relationship, for example, you have messed up the relationship, and you blame the other person, but you don't realize it's you. You're the one that has caused the problem, and you have to ask yourself the question, what happened to me? What happened to me that I did this? What happened to me? Why can't I overcome? What happened to me that this is so strong in my life? So then here's the third one. He sat down, right? So he took the time to acknowledge what was bad. He took the time to find out what happened. Here's the third thing. Take the time to remember when it was better. Remember when it was better. Because sometimes, like, we get used to the jacked up version. Like, I'm like that. I'm like that. I was like that with phones, right? Like, I had a phone, and I'm, I'm like that with cars. I was like that with cars, like, I'm like, ride it till the wheels fall off, right? Like, just, you know, broken door, it's smoking, every light is on, just like, she'll make it, you know what I'm saying, put gas in it, just keep rolling, I'm gonna keep this phone, it's cracked, you can't see nothing, you cutting your finger, you don't have no, fi- no fingerprints on this finger anymore, you just filed all your fingerprints down that broken glass, and you're just not giving up on it, right? Just, it's just cracked, it's just messed up, and sometimes you get used to that, Until you get in a new car, right? And you're like, oh, you mean the window, the air conditioning works? Oh, that's nice, right? Sometimes we get locked into stuff and we just get used to the new normal. It's like, this is fine. We're used to this. Like, okay, this is good. This is what, I'll just take this. This happens to everybody. This is just just what I get, right? Hey, I'm just, it's America, right? This is how they're going to treat me. It's, I'm just going to deal with it this way. I'm just going to respond. This is fine. This is just what it's going to be like. To the day. People will never get it. This person will never understand. But it's important when you sit down to reflect on better times. What it's supposed to be like. What your walk with God is supposed to feel like. What your relationship is supposed... What your kids are supposed to act like and not get used to the new normal. Here's the fourth one for a note taker. You got to allow yourself... To feel it. You gotta allow yourself to feel it. Sometimes we hear we, things look bad and we're like, ooh, and we just take off or we just self-medicate or we look the other direction, right? And we just never feel it. We never feel the pain of it. We never feel the drama of it. We never really realize, man, this looks bad and this is a th- this is threatening my future. This is threatening my family i got to sit down and feel. Let me contemplate the fact that he could go to jail. Let me contemplate the fact that she may not recover from this illness. Let me contemplate the fact that I may never be the same after this. Got to feel it. People don't like to feel anymore, huh? People don't like that. People don't like their their true self. I wanted to preach a a message called filter. Because, you know, like when we take pictures now, like, nobody just puts the regular picture up. Right? Like, somebody, Genesis put me onto this, like, this app. Like, I can get my teeth brilliantly white. Like, I can get a fade. Like, man, I can go Sammy Sosa. I can go from dark to light. You know? <laughs> Poor Sammy Sosa, man. Who is his pastor? I'll tell you. Watch that interview later anyway. um, Like, nobody just puts their picture up. Click, post. No, it's like, Everybody's like in Photoshop, just editing stuff and squeezing stuff in. Because cause nobody, and it's the thing, like everybody's doing that. And and you don't really want to put your true self up. Like what you really look like. Like what's really good. like that scar acro- across your head. Everybody knows is there. You ever see somebody on Facebook or a picture? Like who is that? Like they never look like that. I don't even recognize them. So you got to allow yourself to fill it. Here's another one. You have to have here's number five. You have to have a conversation about it. Because after you feel it, you got to talk to somebody about that, right? Sometimes you got to start with yourself. You got to be like self. Yeah. Let's let's talk about this. Let's let's bring this to the surface. Let's not pretend is there. I'm talking about overcoming. I'm talking about when things look bad. I'm trying to help you understand that there's some times in your life when things look really bad and you don't have to accept that. You don't have to say, this is just how it is. You don't have to agree with it. You can say to yourself, I choose to overcome. I choose. And I love that last part because to have a conversation about it, to talk to yourself, to t- say, is this really me? Is this really what I believe? Is this really how I want this to go down? And then start talking to God about, hey, God, what am I supposed to do? Because that's what I love about verse four. When he heard this, look back at the text again. Now you understand. When he heard this, he sat down. Right? He's like, I'm, psh, I'm not going. He's like, all right, I got to deal with this. Like, let's deal with it. He sat down. He wept. Right? start thinking about it. Man. And then he mourned. He was sad for what he lost. He went through the grieving process. He went through the fact that my people are messed up. And I'm living all the way over here. And I've got this great job. I've got great authority. And I'm trying to reconcile the fact that I'm doing good, but my people are doing bad. I'm doing awesome right now, but there are people who are really in trouble, and I got to decide what I'm going to do, and then he fasted, and he said, I'm going to refrain, I'm going to put everything aside, I love this last part, he says, I prayed to the God of heaven, so I had a conversation about this, we need to talk about this, let me read what he said, let's go to Nehemiah chapter, are we going going in verse, uh, verse 5, let's hear his prayer, listen to his prayer, O Lord God of heaven, the great awesome God who keeps his covenant of unfailing love to those who love him and obey his commands, listen to my prayer. Look down and see me praying night and day for your people, Israel. I confess that we have sinned against you. Yes, even my own family and I have sinned. Is he dealing with it? Is he being honest with it? He's dealing with it. We have sinned terribly by not obeying the commands, decrees, and regulations you gave us through your servant Moses. Please remember what you told your servant Moses. If you are faithful to me, I will scatter, sorry, if you're unfaithful to me, I will scatter you among the nations. He's like, look, if you want to be with somebody else, that's your choice. If you don't want to do what I'm asking you to do, that's fine. If you don't want to live here, don't let the door knock hit you where the good, where the good Lord splits you, right? Like, you, you, can, you can take a walk, and I promise, though, after a while, I'm coming back to get you. But if you want to leave, if you want to go uncovered, if you want to go unprotected to the world, that's your choice. Just know that I'm coming after you. What a God we serve. See, sometimes we blame God for stuff. We're like, God, why did this happen? He's like, you left. You, you said you want to do this on your own, do it on your own. I respect that. You want, to, you want to do this, go ahead and do it. I don't want you to go through this. I don't want you to suffer, but that's, that's really up to you. But just know this, I'm coming after you. Just know this, eventually I'm coming to get you. And if you really think about it, now I feel like I'm going to preach, but if you really think about it, like... When you're, I'm talking about some people who's been through some stuff. I'm talking about some sinners. This is for sinners here. Like, when you were doing some dirt, you, you got to think about it was nothing but God's grace while you were doing that dirt. Let's, let's just be honest with it, right? Like, I, I, you could list so many things that could have happened that night. You could have done, you could have broke so many laws the next night. You could have been in so many accidents. You could have not recovered from this. You could have had 12 kids. Like you, You already put yourself in a vulnerable situation. And it's nothing but the grace of God in the mess you caused to keep you, to say, I need you because I love you. And I want you to return back to the promise, to the place that I've given you. I want you to come back home so I can restore you and give you a testimony that you can make it through. So let's finish reading what he said. But if you return to me, you obey my commands and live by them, then even if you are exiled to the ends of the earth, if even when you're in places you ain't got no business being, even when you're living in an apartment that you should not be living in, even when you're living with someone in that apartment that you shouldn't be living with, even when you're there, when you're exiled, when you're way away from me to the ends of the earth, he says, I Will bring you back to the place I have chosen for my name to be honored. I want you. I, don't, I want you to catch this. This is a good. This is a good study thing. This is what it's about. It's about God's name being honored. I'm coming back to this, in a minute. This is about His name being honored. And so, if it's about His name being honored guess what he does? He makes sure his name is honored. And when things aren't honoring his name, he makes changes. When when you're, when your life is in shambles, he says, that's not bringing honor to me. It's like if I go out with my kids and my kids just look trash, they just look a hot mess. That's not bringing honor to my name. That looks like I don't care. looks like I just don't, you know, if my kids just go and they just do whatever they want to do and they just tear up the restaurant and I'm just looking confused and crazy, just looking at my phone. Like, I know you've seen that, right? I know you've seen that, right? Like, Billy is about to run across I-82 and they're just like, they're on the phone like, Billy, come back. Like, really? Like, this dude's getting ready to get run over by a car. You know, so, I mean, God doesn't God says look this is about my name this is about my honor and this is what this is about here's verse 10 10 says the people you have rescued by your great power and strong hand are your servants this is the key verse here oh Lord please hear my prayer listen to the prayers of those of us who delight in bringing honor to you do you see that he's saying I, I, I'm not the only one. There's other people who say, you know what? This, this, God deserves honor in this, and we're all praying. We're all seeking you. We're all fasting. We're all fasting, and we want to bring honor to you. Please grant me this request today by making the king favorable to me. Put it into his heart to be kind to me. Let me just share my heart with you for a little bit. I feel like I've been on a journey personally as a, as a person, as a man, and God has really done so much for me. I, I can think about a lot of the pain I went through just the last week we were in Minneapolis where I grew up. I was visiting family and I was preaching in the church there, and I got a chance to kind of drive around and see some of the places I grew up and meet some of the people, see some of the people again that I grew up with. And it just reminded me so much of what God had brought me, brought me to. It reminded me so much of if we hadn't left Minneapolis at the time we did, that I really don't know what would happen to me. And I really don't know what would, I would have turned out to be. And so, like, I've worked really hard um, as a man, especially growing up without my dad. And really, nobody in our family had a dad in their life. And some of those things are really important to me. So, like, I'm really pouring into being a good father. really pouring to be a good husband. really pouring to be a good leader. Like, I tried those things really, really hard. There was just one area of my life. There was just one spot in my life. I just wasn't, I just was, I'm just not settled with. I'm just not happy with. Like, things happen, right? Things look bad. Things come up. Trials come. There was just one area. It's like, I am just not happy. I'm just not, I don't like this. I wasn't comfortable. I had to figure out, I wrote this down, I had to make a hard decision, and I had to decide if I was going to sit down, or if I was going to keep going, and that area was this church. Can I just, can I just share my heart with you today? There was, there's some things that I just don't see. I'm just not seeing it. And it's, it's difficult for me because as God has grown me and stretched me and brought me to places that I wasn't expecting and brought me. It's like there's always, there's always an opportunity to keep going. Like there's always another church. There's always another opportunity. There's people who say, what are you still doing there? Like what, what, what's, why are you still there? Like what's the point? They don't know anything about the church. Some of my friends do. And they're like, dude, what are you, what are you doing? Like, it's time for you to move on. It's time for you for greater things. Like, I've seen it. I've seen it in every other place. I've gone places. I've done things. And I see, like, God, you're blessing here. But for some reason, I just don't see what I want to see here. I don't see it. It's frustrating. I don't like it. I- I'm not comfortable. It looks bad to me. It looks like something is going bad, and it's not going to recover. That's what that's what was happening in my life. Let me just tell you those things that I I want to see and I don't see. Sometimes, not all the time, but there's things I just want to see and I'm not seeing. Here's the first one: I want to see evangelism and impact in our community. Like I want to see that. Like you don't understand. You don't understand. Like my what I see in my dreams and. The, the way I want to impact this community. Like, I, I've been so fortunate to be connected in the community outside of the church. Like, I'm talking about community stuff, community organizations. Like, I've, I've been fortunate enough to have partners and connections to where I can call somebody or be invited to something important to make important decisions on the city. But I'm not seeing my church come with me. I don't forget one time that the former, um, superintendent of the school, uh, of the school district, we were on a visit on a tour and we're on the bus and she's like, Hey, let's go by Terrence's church. I'm like, Whoa. Right. She, she drives by like, she's like, Hey, this is Terrence's church. And she's like, they're doing an awesome work. Like they're just stretching out the community. There's a huge church. I'm like, you know, like I can't say anything. She's just talking and bragging. I'm like, wow. I'm just telling you, like, I see. Impact in evangelism. I see people, I see people finding God. Like, I, I just, I don't see it. I don't see it. Not all the time. I want to see it. And I don't see it because there are people who live two or three blocks from here and don't even know we're here. They think we're closed because we don't have church on Sunday. So they think they drive by Sunday. We're like, oh, ain't nobody here. Like, I, I, I don't see it it looks bad. Here's another one. Maturity and a personal relationship with Jesus and with the church family. I don't see it. I don't see it. Outside of this service, how many of us talk? How many see each other? How many of us know what's going on in each other's life? We don't. How, much, how many of us are mature? I'm talking about mature in our relationship. Not people just starting out. Some of my people who have been here for a while are actually mature in your faith. Like you're, you're past this. You're past, I'm talking about 10, 15 years. You're past all of that. You're at a new maturity level. You're at a new place in God. Some of us have gone backwards from when we started. Can we just be honest? Like you're, you're way behind what you used to be. And and that's what happens when things look bad. You either keep going and pretend, go through the motions, or you sit down. I wasn't seeing it. I'm not seeing it. I'm not seeing freedom. I'm not seeing people set free. Not all the time. There are some people I see it, but not all the time. I don't see people feeling free, feeling comfortable, feeling mature, like knowing how to solve a problem, knowing what's going on, looking around and saying, I know why they're not here, and I want to go find out. Why they didn't come, or I'm gonna find out what's going on in their life, but don't see it. Here's the third one. I'm not seeing a Christ centered lifestyle. Like your life is centered on Christ. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm talking about I, I, y'all might feel like this is a butt whooping. I'm just I'm just sharing my heart. And I'm not you if you feel that way, like my the great. Lamont Lockett. He just had the best phrase of all time. If you're offended, you should be. This is that simple. You're offended, you should be. Right? I love that quote. He's awesome for that. Christ-centered lifestyle, which means God comes first. That simple. Every, the church and God is not separate, secondary. I don't see it. I don't see it. I'm not seeing it. I don't see the purpose I don't see it, like driving, like I know, I know that most of us don't spend a lot of time on the east side in general, but a lot of us don't spend a lot of time in the east side on Sabbath, like booking around, making sure there's no trash, making sure there's no broke, I found a piece of barbed wire in the lawn, like kids playing soccer around it, like, you know what I'm saying, I guess not, I don't know, Christ-centered lifestyle, like everything is Christ-centered first, I'm not seeing it. struggle. It's a struggle for me. I'm not seeing it. I don't. I can't be like, let me get 10 people right now. I know if there's an issue, I'm going to call all these different people. They're going to show up. If there's something happening, they're going to show up. If they say, I'm going to do this, then I'm going to do it. Here's the last one. Honoring God. I'm not seeing it. Man. Like honoring God, honoring his house, honoring his people. Honoring God. Saying, God you're going to get honor out of this. God, you're going to get glory out of this. I'm going to honor you in your house. I'm going to honor you in God's people. And I wrote this down word for word because I want to say it word for word. This is why we are relaunching this church. And I'm not the only one who feels this way. Right? I'm not, look, I'm not the only one who, who sees what I see, who feels what I feel, And and those who are, are committed to this, you feel this, you get this. And if you don't, I'm just gonna tell you right now, you're gonna start feeling really uncomfortable. I'm just telling you right now. You're gonna feel uncomfortable. And that's okay. Because we have made the decision. I have made the decision to honor God with this church. I've made the decision to honor God with this church. This one area of my life that I didn't feel like was completely bringing God honor. This is what I'm not telling you. I'm not saying the church is trash and you guys suck. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that I want all of what belongs to God. I want to bring God glory and honor. And if I fail as a leader, I've got to make the hard decisions to say, this is not bringing God honor, and so we're not going to do it. And this will bring God honor, and so we're going to do it. And if you don't like it, if you're not comfortable with it, there is a church, There are so, there's almost 300 churches in Tri-Cities. You need to find a church that is going to grow you spiritually and get you closer to God. But if you know God has knitted your heart to me and knitted your heart to this house, then this is the place to be. And it don't take a lot of people. But like this just preaching to you, that's done. That's done. Like that's over with. I'm telling you, we are, re- I'm telling you, we are moving a complete different direction. And I want to bring God honor with what he's done. I love what Nehemiah says. He says, I sat down, I wept, I prayed about it. And then he says, I'm going to find a solution. Let me show you what he did. Look here in chapter two. Bible says, early the following spring in the month of Nisan, during the 20th year King Xerxes, I was serving the king in his wine. Let me back up. When did Nehemiah first hear about the news? Anybody remember? October. Late autumn. What is he doing now? It's spring. This is five or four months later. He's been praying. He's been fasting. He's been waiting. Four or five months later, he's serving the king. He's the cupbearer. He does that. And a cupbearer was like a really close person in the administration. And he's serving his wine. He said, I had never appeared uh, sad in his presence. So the king asked me, why are you looking so sad? This is the king. This is the boss. You don't look sick. You must be deeply troubled. Now, it's important for him that the cupbearer is okay because the cupbearer kind of made sure that nobody was poisoning the king, right? So they would taste the wine, eat all the food first. And basically that job was to not only only just taste his food, but to kind of be over everything. And then to make sure he tasted it, so that if he was being poisoned, he would die, and the king wouldn't. That was his job. That was the cupbearer's job. So he's like, "You don't look sick, because if you're sick, it's a problem, right? I'm glad if you're taking the, you know, you're doing your job, but you don't look sick to me. What's going on? You must be deeply troubled." Then I was terrified, but I replied, "Long live the king! How can I not be sad? For the city where my ancestors are buried is in ruins, and the gates have been destroyed for, with fire." The king asked, How well how can I help you? Look at this part. With a prayer to the God in heaven, I replied. I love that. It says, before I opened my mouth, I've been praying and fasting about this for, for for months. King gave me an opportunity. This is my time. Before I say a word. He prayed and he asked God. If it pleases the king, if you please with me, my sister servant. Please uh, send me to Judah to rebuild the city where my ancestors are buried. The king, the queen sitting beside him. How long will you be gone? When will you return? I told him how long I'd be gone. The king agreed to my request. I also said to the king, if it pleases the king, let me have letters addressing the governor of the providence west of the Euphrates River, instructing them to let me travel safely through the territories on my way to Judah and please give me a letter addressed to Asab, the manager of the king's forest, including uh, instructing him to give me timber. Uh, I will uh, will need to make beams for the gates of the temple fortress, for the city walls, and the house for myself. And the king granted these requests. This is why. Because God's hand was upon me. Here's how you overcome. Got to make the decision. That when things look bad, first of all, you got to be ready when it's time. You got to ask God for help, and you got to desire to give God's glory. He said the king, the Lord was with him. He said the Lord had impressed the king. All of those times he was fasting and praying, he was praying that God would be favorable to the king. Because I know that when you step forward in faith, After making a decision that things are not going to be the same, God always brings provision. He always brings the people. He always brings the money. And as you step forward in faith... God blesses. As you step forward, say, God, I'm deciding this is not going to be this way. I want it to be different. God always brings the resources. He always brings opportunities. He always brings people. And that's what I love about what we're doing as we relaunch this thing. We are going to go forward. And here's the truth. Some people are going to be left behind. Some people are not going to make it. Some people are not going to be here. Some people are not going to. But as we go forward, God's going to bring provision. As we go forward, God's going to bring the resources. As we go forward, God's going to bring the expertise. As we keep going, God's going to add and add and add and expand. And it's a promise because you are sitting in that promise. There was a few people 10 years ago who said, we're going to go forward. Even though we don't have everything, even though we don't see everything, we're going to keep going forward. And as they went, provision came. As they went, resources came. As they went, people started giving to what they needed. And Nehemiah says, I need the king's help. And the king was like, here's a blank check. Go down to the Treasury Department and write a check for every I'm going to fund this project. Let me read this last verse to you as I close. First, Colossians. Um, Let's see. I want to read verse 15, I think. I don't know if I gave you this text or not. I'll read from verse 11. I'll read verse 13. For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, all, God created everything on the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can't see, the things we can't see, such as the thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities of the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else. He holds all creation, Christ is also the head of the church which is the body. He's the beginning supreme over all who rise from the dead. He is the first in everything. For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. Through him God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in the earth and on on the heaven and on the earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. This includes you who were once far away were his enemies, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. Yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Jesus in his physical body. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence. You are holy, you are blameless, and you stand before decision to overcome the sin in your life when you make a decision to overcome the dysfunction in your heart when you make a decision that you're not going to keep allowing this part to not bring God honor when you make that decision he says God is going to bring the provision to you he says I'm going to make a way I'm going to reconcile I'm going to bring you to myself I'm going to fix it you just make the decision to step forward. You just make the decision to go forward. And as you go, as you bring your request to the king, I'm going to make it work. So here's my question for you today. I just want to encourage somebody who needs to overcome. It's not going to be like a big long appeal or anything like that. I just want to let you know that if you want to overcome, you can. If you want to get better you can. I want to bring God glory. I want to bring God honor to this church. I want God. I don't want God to give this church to somebody else. I don't want God to make us sell this building. I don't want God to say, you know what? I'm done. This isn't going to work. I want everything God wants for this house. And I want it for every person starts with people who want to make a decision in their own lives. Say, I want to live in freedom, because guess what? When people come here, guess who they going to see? Guess who they going to see? Is it a tough question? You! I heard I could get over, I heard I could get free here. Is that true? What you going to tell them? Well, I think so. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe for you, not for me. I heard this was the spot. I heard this was the place. I could come. Where are you at? I thought you were gonna. I I guess I guess you'll be here next week. I want to pray for you today. If that's you, just say, Hey God, I want to overcome. I want to live strong. And maybe you can pray for me too. I need your prayers. this this thing is launching and I'm so excited for what God's going to do and I want everybody in this church to feel the power and the freedom of overcoming. I want to pray for you today. Father, there might be someone in this room today who is just saying I hear what you're saying to me. Maybe the voices that are telling me otherwise are stronger right now but I hear what you're saying. pray against any spirit, any spirit of mediocrity, any spirit of just fear, unwillingness, unfaithfulness, unbelief. Lord, would you just give us strength today to know that what you're doing as we step forward is giving us provision, giving us strength. Bring you glory in everything we do, even in our mistakes, even in our weaknesses, even in the things we don't know. We don't have to be perfect, we don't have to be super, we just need to be willing, we just need to be open. And I thank you, Lord, that you've given us an opportunity today to hear that we can be overcomers. We can overcome, especially when things look bad. As we pray, as we work through this summer, Lord, I just pray that our hearts united together as a family, that those, Lord, who see the vision, nothing will hinder them. Those who don't see it yet, that you show it to them. And those who don't want this vision, that you'll show them another vision, another place, another church.